All right, we're counting down to three, two, one. Let's do this. Well, folks, as you can obviously hear, I'm in a helicopter reporting live from outside the confined walls of a bunker box uh, located near a nondescript building. This is Chris Nell welcoming you to a rather big event. Uh, it is the unveiling of the second episode of Having a Cuppa. We personally welcome you. It's an event unlike ever before, and we are here to report it to you live first. All right, that may not have had the desired effect. And I must tell you, I have a crap radio voice. Thank goodness I've always spoken in my natural voice, despite the fact that during the course of my career, a couple of my predecessors, inverted commas, have accused me of putting on a radio voice. Well, all in all, look where I am now, suckers. <clears throat> Listen to me giving you the raspberry. <laughs> Seriously, welcome to season two. Approaching New Year's Eve weekend. Can you believe it? 2020. Bye-bye. Before we continue further, first off, thank you so much for the positive response we've received so far with regards to the relaunch. At least that's what I say to myself in my head. Doy. But honestly now, potato chips aside, many thanks for all the optimism from colleagues and my friends on Instagram and Facebook. Truly the best belated Christmas gift ever. And to you, the outsider who has responded to the content, you are valued, appreciated, and you rock. And you do. My wish for you in 2021, that you'll achieve more than you have ever before. Seeing what we've faced, no other place to go from here but up, right? Right, you get what I'm saying. Today's guest is a lovely and gentle soul. This episode will also serve as a return trip of sorts. A couple of months ago, just to give you context, my path would cross with that of Kim Ballas of Sober Is The New Call. Kim, needless to say, a very sweet, very mature and young of heart woman. At the time, we had a great chat about uh, the company. And if you just happen to stop by now, you're new to the podcast, you can gladly check out that episode in season one. By the way, hi, how are you doing? Welcome, buddy. In any event, we kept in contact and in the period ensuing, uh, one night in my living room, I'm having coffee. Kim, out of the clear blue sky, DMs me from Montreal and asks, uh, would you perhaps permit an interview with my son? Me, just being a simple people's person, and I'm not referring in the sense of to score ratings or to create content just to be prolific for the sake of it, because to my mind, that's just egotistical, and I personally detest hubris. So, all in all, I just said yes immediately. I will add, though, because I'm a hands-on interviewer, having been on South African radio for more than four years, there's just that imaginary sixth gear that kicks in. And so I began to ask the usual questions of what can I ask, what can't I, will this be his first interview, etc., etc. Anyhow, I digress. Kim's boy Matt came on subsequently. We did the interview, we covered a few dimensions, and off we went. It began rather cordially, and it developed gradually and on a natural basis. Needless to say, Matthew Boyd is a great guy, passionate about sports, being a former football player, and once we diverted a bit to Canadian sports and media, he just immediately relaxed and we developed such rapport with one another. He did really enjoy himself. He spoke of just being the usual young guy who likes to be a positive influence, enjoying being in the company of his friends, and naturally how his recurring epilepsy seizures curtailed his athletics career and how he grew as a person thereafter. Matt serves as the second face of the company, Sober is the New Cool. Just let me pivot there for a second, ladies and gentlemen. SITNC, 
off the hook. Personally, can't wait to purchase their gear when the time comes. Hoodies and shirts available in black and white, perfect for any occasion, and it sends the message quite clearly, sober is the new cool. They also provide promo content for any small businesses, although with a caveat, it has to be aligned with the sober lifestyle. For example, they did a promo for our mutual buddy Carmel Pilly's page turner that just reached number one a couple of months ago with Indulge in Mocktails. And the best part of all, they truly give back. Because any purchase that you make on their online store, a portion of the monies is directly donated to the charity, the Douglas Foundation, serving as a non-profit arm committed to peeling back the layers to the very origin of addiction and the effects thereof. Check out Sober is the New Cool. As I've just said, it's not difficult to spell via the IG handle with full stops in between. So in other words, Sober full stop is full stop the full stop new full stop cool. They're also on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter. Their website is www.soberisthenewcool.org. Check them out now. But only after you listen to this episode and Kim's episode previously. Likewise, you can follow me on Instagram, Chris Nell Radio Acting Music, Twitter, Chris Nell Media, and on Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. There's always something new to see, previews of new episodes, recommendations of other people's shows, and maybe a showcase of my semi-comedic sensibilities. Season 2, Episode 2, we head back to Montreal, Quebec, to have a cuppa with Matthew Boyd of Sober is the New Cool. This portion of the show is being brought to you by whatever we have in stock are us your one-stop place to shop for whatever we happen to have lying around at the time and now for our feature presentation Nothing like the finest selection. Nothing like the open road. Let's see where it leads me. My name is Chris Nell. In a burgeoning career spanning half a decade, I've done a bit of everything. I've walked the boards on the stage. I've essayed emotions and intention down the barrel of a lens, and I've kept the public on its toes through the coil of a mic. Now, I've entered the world of podcasting.
During my quest, there's many questions that need an answer. There are many voices yearn to be heard, and many stories aching to be told. I want to hear them all. I'm a vagabond with an insatiable curiosity. Now I'm hitting the road. Welcome to my journey. invited to hear the stories and the views of people spanning the globe. You'll be taken places through the odyssey of your imagination, from the palm trees of California to the Everglades of Florida, the prairie hills of Alberta and the cathedrals of Montreal and beyond. Come along as we discover the hidden truths to matters of the heart, matters that knowledgeable people share artists, activists, advocates, and survivors. They share because they care. People like you and me. Join me as we learn what makes them tick. Sit back and strap yourself in. We're having a cuppa. Matthew Boyd, needless to say, what a privilege to have you here. Welcome. Thank you for having me on this. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Um, I know that you've been in close contact with my mom, and I'm just here to tell you the story behind all. Absolutely. And you know what, Matt? I think that's what we're going to kick off with. Tell us a little bit more about the past right up until the point where you then discovered you had an underlying health problem. Um, so when I was younger, I played a lot of football. Um, football was a huge thing in my life. Um, it was sort of my father and I, we got into it together. Um, it was a good way because since I was younger, I was always troubled with anger issues and I had a bunch of things I need to work on for myself. So football was one of those ways that I can express myself on the field and it helped me with my anger management overall. Um, it was an essential part of my life personally. Um, but has led to many, many um, obstacles that I had to pass. So um, I played from the age of 11 to 16. Uh, when I was around six, uh, 15 to 16, I began to have uh, episodes of epilepsy. Um, the doctors couldn't really find the main solution to it, but they believed that it was football. 
Um, so all the concussions that I had, um, I never really diagnosed them. I thought they were just headaches and whatnot. So I sort of pushed it to the side and I kept playing and I kept playing. Um, one day, uh, I was actually with my school uh, on a skiing trip and that, that was my first seizure. They thought it was due to dehydration. Because um, at one point in time, I wasn't eating because I thought I was overweight. So there was a lot of, um, uh, you know, um, you know, personally viewing myself, I always put myself down and I never looked at the positive of what I had. Um, I didn't believe in myself a lot. Um, so my mother helped me through that. Um, she's been a role model to me since I was born, of course. Uh, it's always, whenever I spoke to her, it was always a safe place, you know, I was always comfortable. Um, and she's really helped me throughout this journey that I've been dealing with. It's, you know, so being sober for me is not something, um, it is a, a serious task, but due to my everyday sort of epilepsy, I take my medication. I'm not like the average kid where I can drink, I can party, I can do that. Um, I have very strict limitations. Um, so I don't drink, I don't smoke. The only thing I do do is vape because I used to be a huge cigarette smoker and you know, they're just, it's a bunch of hazards for me and that I had to overcome when I was a kid. So, for example, all my friends that were going out to parties, enjoying, you know, drinking. The young, you know, when you're younger, you do you do stuff like that, right? <laughs> As you do. It's not that I was excluded from the group. I was always invited and whatnot, but it wasn't the same because I couldn't do things they could do. So, for me, it was, you know, it was an obstacle that I had to overcome. Um, and... I just had to mature at a younger age, which was, it was very hard. It was a task that took me a while to comprehend. Um, but at the end of it, now that I see it, I've matured in a better way. And, you know, life took me on a different path, but a better one. It's, it's, it's going to be a cleaner life, in my opinion. You know, there's not going to be drinking. Like, it, it's not that, like, I'll see one of my friends drinking and I'll tell him, don't do that that's his personal choice um but personally for myself i'm as clean as it gets because there's many uh hazards if i don't take the precautions for my medication and at the beginning like everything else it is very hard um but you tend to live with it and it becomes just a norm it's just everything's normal and you know it doesn't mean that you have to drink to have a good time you can just be with your friends and have a good time, which some people forget that. And it's interesting. And I'm guessing that despite your setbacks that you had to overcome, even though your athletic career came to an abrupt end, you're still a big sports fan, aren't you? Huge. Huge. And apart from football, I'm guessing you're also a hockey fan? Yeah, a hockey fan for us, it's a, it's a huge thing in uh, Canada overall. Montreal is, um, we're one of the first teams, which is, it's an interesting, you know, history that we have behind hockey. Uh, I know football for us means two different things, um, but uh, hockey is, it's, I played a little bit of hockey when I was younger as well, um, but it, it was always, you know, because us, we don't have the best weather here. It's always snowing, it's always cold, so um, a lot of the ice rinks would be open. So I learned that as a kid, and my father was always, uh, 
since he was a kid, his father always brought him into hockey. So it just it sort of came down and down, and it's 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 normal for us. It's just sports is a huge. Uh, um, it's a, it's not a huge impact on my, on my family, but um, it's something that we've always looked into. But I was always so intrigued, you know. It was always interesting how I can get better at playing sports, looking at different athletes, and it's. Uh, it's a mechanism to learn in many different ways instead of just for entertainment purposes. The reason why I asked earlier on about are you a hockey fan, I'm led to understand, let me just give a little context. We don't get football, American football in my country. We have the English version, which is soccer. And instead of American football, we have rugby. But the similarity is the sport isn't just a spectator sport. It's in your blood. The moment that your favorite team skates out on the ice. It just stirs something in your spirit, that pride. And uh, by comparison, we also have hockey here, but minor league, sadly, not major league. But I guarantee you, the very first name that will pop up, if I had to speak to any of my former schoolmates who played hockey throughout their entire school career, who is their most sought-after idol in the sport of hockey? Which name pops up? Who else? Wayne Gretzky. Of course. And on that note, Matt, I just have to throw this in for good measure. It's surprising to think that Wayne's career, of course, thing of legends, but his dad is overlooked because even though his father never played professionally, he did have a hand in the game somehow by coaching here and there, but he never played professionally. He was a telephone technician. Exactly. Very, very interesting. But now back to the topic at hand. I can personally relate to the fact that you think for one moment you're living a quality life of normalcy but then out of the clear blue sky you get this diagnosis it's a recurring ailment sad news it's lifelong that momentum can throw you right off your equilibrium yes it does and um the thing about football is that um i was gonna go on a full scholarship to bulls academy which is a football in florida team um you know, I, I relied on football too much when I was a kid because I thought it was going to take me from point A to a great education, which, you know, I, I, I'm i not trying to gloat here, but I had uh, many awards from the us. It's my region is Quebec, so I made the Quebec team, I made Team Canada. It was, it was something that meant a lot. And um, when I was diagnosed, it's like all of my dreams and inspiration sort of went down the drain. But now here's a part two on that, Matt. I'm personally of the opinion that the moment you survive, inverted commas, a moment of impact like that, it engages your fight or flight response, and then one has to make the decision, A, is it going to get me under, or B, am I going to knuckle up and show the universe, you know what, bring it. Which of these two categories formed your mindset at that time? Um, at that time, um... It was quite the obstacle, as I say. So I wanted to more have the insight of bring it on than anything. Because um, I wanted to prove, especially to myself, that not just with football, that I can be successful and be happy as a general um, individual. Well, good on you, because it sounds like you kept a level head throughout either situation. Now, you mentioned quite rightly earlier, we had your guardian on, Kim Ballas. She was uh, previously on the show in season one. Uh, I think she was on around about September, October. She mentioned to me that she gave up drinking along with you. And before you both knew it, poof, 
a little time has gone by, Sober is the new cool is born. How did that whole process play out for you? Because you became a visible face for them as well. Uh, how did it play out? Um, so it was actually one evening where I was going to go out with a bunch of my friends to a party. And I actually canceled at the last minute. And my mother asked me why. So I sort of began to break it down and tell her, you know, um, all my friends are going to be drinking, um, partying. And that's something I don't really want to be a part of. And my mother, um, the great woman she is, decided at that specific point, that specific evening, because you know what, this, I'm going to go through this with you and we're going we're gonna to power through this, Matthew, just me and you. And, um, you know, but I think she didn't just do it for me. I think she did it for herself as well. Um, but I was obviously a huge part of that. Um, so that, that was definitely much easier, um, for me to go through a cycle like that. Cause I had my mother as a huge, huge positive reinforcement, which made me very comfortable as an individual. And I can never thank her as much as I can to this day. She, she brought me into this world and she makes me smile every day that I see. I wholeheartedly agree. Matt. I've seen personally some of the visual material you made in conjunction with SITNC, and uh, we have a friend in this as well, Carmel Pilly. You also, like me, did a promo for her book, Indulgent Mocktails. Now, I'm not saying this to blow smoke up your skirt. No, no problem. But when I see you speak, I see a combination of the following, an ambassador, a spokesman, and a lobbyist. My question is, how has your mindset shifted? since getting involved with SITNC? Well, um, going forward, um, it's definitely something great. You know, uh, my mom's linking me with all these great people such as yourself. Um, and it's giving me positive reinforcement and the feedback that I've gotten from Carmel as well as my mom has all been positive. So it's, it's good to see that, you know, um, as I said, you know, this is my first couple interviews and you sort of just have to, especially talking to somebody like you, Chris, it's, it's very natural. It's not something I have to stress about. Um, but looking forward, it, it's something that I really want to explore with my mother and to um, make it a huge essential in my life. Well, you and I spoke about this off-air briefly, and I've come to the conclusion, especially with this year where we had to contend with COVID and all that razzmatazz, you know the saying as well as I, that you are normally tossed off the deep end without water wings. I think now is the time where you have to dive off the deep end because you can't plan it and you don't see the results coming, right? No, you can't. That, that's one thing that I've learned is you can't plan life. There's always something that's going to take you on a different path. It could be a positive path. It can be a negative path. But that's something that you have to choose as an individual and you have to figure out. It's not something that is specifically planned that you can, uh, within the last six months, you can figure out, you know, I have this, this, this planned. It, life, life is not a straight book. You, you know, it's, it's not a straight line. It's eventually, the whole point is to make it a straight line. But to get to that point, there's obstacles that you have to pass. Straight from the horse's mouth. I must tell you, Matt, when I had mom on the show, she told me that the people who buy the gear from you guys at Sober is the New Cool have been seen at gatherings, parties, and so on and so forth, pre-pandemic, wearing these shirts and hoodies. And I will admit, it caught me by surprise, if not for a few moments, because I suffer from narrow thinking from time to time. 
Now, my next logical question should be, has this experience really paid off an influence for youngsters, because it's our demographic, to actually want to get sober themselves from seeing people wear the gear? Yeah, um, so a bunch of my friends actually support me uh, with Sober's New Cool. Um, they find it's a great idea. Um, you know, for them to see anything like that, they, they think it's a huge accomplishment. You know, um, they're like, well, Matt, how, how didn't you, like, you know, when you were a kid, like, did you have issues? I said, guys, for sure I've had issues. And um, my, I've actually have come across new friends because some of my older friends just like to party. So it's not that we had nothing in common. It's just they did things that I couldn't. So um, when I met my new friends, they've super supportive, you know, like, because when, when you're younger, sometimes you get pressured into doing things. Sure, peer pressure. You, you know, peer pressure, exactly. Smoking, whether it's smoking, whether it's drinking, God knows what. Um, there is peer pressure, especially when you're a kid and you try to fit in. Um, I took that whole idea of fit in and I took a completely different path to it. I said, I have to work on myself, not to please other people. And in the very end, it was almost as if you had been playing reverse psychology with them because they saw the end result of what you had done and they thought to themselves, you know what, I want what he's having. Let's try this as well. And believe it or not, there's actually two of my closer friends that actually quit drinking, which is honestly, it brought tears to my eyes because they said, well, Matt, if you can do it, and especially the difficult path that you've had from the age of 15 to, well, to however long going to last, I believe it's going to be a lifetime thing. But, you know, God works in mysterious ways. So, we, we, as you said, there's not a for sure thing, right? So maybe there, I, I'm happy with where I am now. And taking my medication is keeping me stable. So I wake up every day with a smile on my face. Um, you know, being epileptic is, it, it, it's something to worry about because at certain sensations, when you feel dizzy, when you feel, in, even when, uh, you know, you're out and about or you're driving, for example, it, it's a very scary thing. But to go back onto the part with my friends who actually, um, I'm not a role model, but they, they saw, well, if Matt can do it, why cannot? So my, some of my friends, well, two of them especially, haven't drink, haven't drank, sorry, within... 18 months and uh, their whole life has changed now they're working out um, they're doing a bunch of things especially now with COVID and everything's sort of been put on hold but you know they, they still haven't been drinking and I, they, they told me you know Matt I feel much better I, I see much clearer um, I it just everything and I told them it, it, it's a positive impact for your whole life it's, it, it's not a momentarily thing and I, I told them you know if you're not ready to do it, you're not ready. Once you're ready, you'll know, and that's the time to do it. Mm, I agree with you. Now, I'm guessing, Matt, that you've got a marketing background. Uh, a tiny bit, tiny bit. What was your major originally? Uh, my major was uh, social sciences, but I learned a lot of business through my father and my brother. They're in the business, um, the financial world, which is something that I've learned a lot about, and within one of those things, I learned marketing. And marketing is a huge aspect on beginning a business and for it to be seen by uh, clients or uh, upcoming, um, it's not coming to me right now. I think what you're trying to say is advertising and the means of getting the product on the shelf and through marketing, getting that product from the shelf 
and into your cart and into your pocket at the end of the day. Exactly. Because the reason why I say this, you've become the secondary visible face and I'm thinking as well you would be involved in that behind the scenes facet. But nevertheless, I think the proper question would be, you're a man who appears to me who enjoys helping others and you don't seek the merits and you don't seek the kudos. But yet I do assume as well you didn't think you'd be doing this level of social awareness at such a young age, didn't you? No, I never thought about it, um, that I would be, you know, telling my story to other individuals um, so that they can follow and see, well, you know, if... And it's not that I do it for popularity or any of those reasons. I just find, you know, if other people are struggling, as I did, that they can look out to me and say, maybe, you know, he was an inspiration to me, or if he can do it, why can't I? And that's the whole thing here. Uh, I'm not marketing to, to become famous. I'm, I'm doing it to try to help people, which is the main aspect. And, you know, being sober, in my opinion, is the new cool. And, you know, people can do what they want. They, they can drink, they can smoke. That's all up to their decision. But since I, you know, I'm not a, a perfect um, individual. There's still cons, but, you know, there, there's not, there's no such thing as being perfect in my in my personal view. So if people, as you say, give kudos and slap it, as clap their hands for me, I, I appreciate it. But I'm more doing it for the individual that's struggling. I don't need to be recognized by a bunch of people for me to help that one individual. I know that I helped and I did them as much as I could do, and I, I'm very satisfied with that. And even with my two friends, for example, like I'm I'm very happy that they stuck on the path and. You know, I helped them and I, I, I didn't post about it. I didn't, I, I, I did it more for myself and for people that I care about. Sidebar to that quickly. Did you quit drinking cold turkey more or less? Or did you attend an AA program? What did you do? No, cold turkey. It was tough. Uh, it was, yeah, it was tough. But um, it's something, drinking was always, um, it was an easy way, you know, as a, as a young kid to talk to girls, get your confidence up. And, um, you know, you, you, you can't have a substance to judge whether to gain your confidence or to reduce it. Um, and, you know, based on when I stopped drinking, I thought my thoughts and who I was was much clearer. And I could work with that. It was very interesting for me. But by the same token, you weren't a heavy drinker, so I can imagine cold turkey was more the appropriate route for you. I, I, I wasn't, uh, you know, for example, like people I know every day, they come home from work and they have a couple beers. Well, a couple beers. Um, not going to say the specific amount, but um, I was never a heavy drinker. So it was a little easier for me to transition off, whereas some individuals, you know, had been drinking from the age of 15 to 30, 15, 45. I, I see that as much harder to quit cold turkey, whether than going to AA meetings, just speaking about it to others that are dealing with the same issue as you. Um, and the, you know how people go to AA meetings, I had my mother and my mom was my biggest inspiration and she never, she, you know, she never judged me, you know, and none of my friends judged me and I always felt like I was in a safe place with my mother. And seeing that you've become actively involved in Sober is the New Cool, have you done more public service work to spread awareness? Um, not yet, because as I said, I've been busy with work, but... Um, okay, so this is more of a part-time job. No, it's, it's, it's a part-time job to help my mother, but 
for the future, I'm looking for it to be my full time job. Because I don't want to say that I'm full time with it. Um, I do do a good amount, but I'm not 100% full. Like if my mother needs my opinion on something, I'll come, I'll help her for a couple hours. Um, but um, for that, like a steady job, I still need income. Um, so I have to work my uh, 10 to sevens or nine to fives, um, which at work, especially I have great people surrounded by me. So it's honestly where I am right now and helping my mother, it's, it's, it's something and even at work, I'll wear it and people will ask me, well, what is that? So like I'm technically marketing at my other job. So like technically I'm still doing full time, but not officially. And you know, especially at work, like, um, I work in an e-cigarette shop. Um, cause that's, that's how I quit smoking cigarettes was buy e-cigarettes and people walk in and they, they, they look and they're looking at me. Like, for example, I worked two days ago and I wear, uh, I wear the t-shirts, the black and white the all the time because they're simple colors. You can match with anything. So, um, yeah, I was wearing it and it's actually, um, funny that you say so there was a, uh, older gentleman who was around, I'd, I'd like to say, I'm not, I'm not judging, but within his 50 to 60s. And he said, well, um, like, so you're sober. I said, yeah. Uh, he goes, how was your journey? Like how long did it take you to become sober? And like, yeah, actually, I know I'm at work and I should be serving other clients, but me and this gentleman really got into a conversation about it. And he goes, you know, one of my sons uh, had a huge uh, drinking issue and uh, he went to all the AA meetings and um, he goes, is there any, um, any pointers that you can give me? I said, at the end of the day, sir, um, there's not many pointers that I can give. Um, I can just try to express myself the best way I can. And with my um, obstacle course that I had to deal with, everybody has their own. Um, but I told him if I, I asked him about his son, he goes, yeah, my son's actually been sober for the last eight months. So it, it was actually weird how it just all came together. And uh, he was saying going to be buying our merchandise. And I told him, you know, the website is linked. Uh, you can go on Instagram and look at, uh, there's a link at the bottom, whether you want to get a hoodie for yourself and promote, um, that's all up to you. But he was very intrigued with the idea. And he said, just keep the good work going. And, you know, um, it, it, it's quite, um, you know, there's a lot of individuals that are struggling, but don't really want to come forth with it. Because they're afraid. Yeah, too afraid. Or some people, like, they're embarrassed, you know, to actually admit that there's, you shouldn't be embarrassed. You're, you're looking out, you're, you're trying to get help, which is something that's amazing rather than just sitting there and not trying to make a difference. It reminds me of something now that you mention it. Uh, you and I spoke about this off-air very subtly. Uh, when I was at college studying for this business, being broadcasting, we weren't just taught local techniques. In fact, a lot of what I learned came from knowledge and study of history figures in the States and in Canada, where you, for example, might have the CBC as public broadcaster, we have the SABC. And a lot of the content from the CBC came to our country more or less a year after it had originally aired. And I hope you're going to know the name that I'm speaking about, Paul Souls. Yes, I do. I do. Now, uh, for those who might not know, Paul Souls was the original voice of Spider-Man, not Reno Romano. And uh, also, apart from voiceover work for a bunch of cartoons in the era, 
did a whole bunch of television and also produced documentaries. He appeared at a panel convention. He was well into his 90s at that time. And I couldn't help but notice in between his answers, he'd been coughing. And the announcer asked him, are you right at one point? He says, yes, I've been smoking for so and so many years. I think he said something to the order of 45 years. And I'd like to encourage people, don't start. <laughs> yeah, quite, uh, he's, uh, he's quite the character. I can believe he is, yeah. Now, Matt, bringing it all back again to what we're talking about and the whole purpose of this conversation. Looking back... From then until now, the development of Sober is the New Cool, you guys that would eventually form a partnership of sorts with the Douglas Foundation, people who buy the gear and then post up their testimonies that you guys put up on Instagram. I'm sure you must have looked at that and you've taken some life principles and you've put it in your own little toolbox. Yeah, because it, it's it's a great way to see uh, people's um, path to sobriety. And um, the influence or even, you know, some messages, I'm not going to say from who, but specific individuals that buy our merchandise have say, you know, because um, we do write um, personal letters to each and every individual before we send out the merchandise. Um, but there was one individual that really stuck out to me. Um, can't say the name, but um, it was it was quite uh, quite the story and it really got to me. And as you said, you pick little parts of stories uh, and put it in your toolbox to help you uh, further on down the line. And um, this story was, it was actually about a younger individual around the age of 18 who had uh, severe drinking problems and drug addiction. And he, he goes, due to your son, and uh, he actually reached out for, to me personally. And I thought it was very interesting how somebody around my age was um, inspired with my story and that brought tears to my eyes. Sure, sure. And in all, that just creates that warm feeling on the inside and motivates you to keep on going, am I right? Yeah, it's definitely a huge motivator to keep going and trying to make the biggest impact I can. But if people aren't ready, then as you said, we're not going to push it down their throats. And then, Matt, on the last lap, we always ask this from all of our guests who have spoken on the topic. You know as well as I, 2020, not the best of years at all. This pandemic threw life as we know it on its head. People's incomes were obliterated. Uh, people who use, unfortunately, suicide rates went skyward, and so on and so forth. Uncertainty reigns supreme and the new year is upon us. That all being said, if you were to offer anybody any kind of advice, what would it be? You know, that's a really great question, I have to say, Chris. Um, there's many things that I would like to say. Um, if there's one, personally, being around your family as a support team is huge, huge. And as you said, suicide rate has gone up as well as drug addiction, and that's statistically proven. Um, I think, I believe uh, one of the statistics I saw is that it's 10 times, um, especially in a time like this as COVID, that people will get more depressed and uh, will be using more or less. Um, and it's really, it's quite a question you asked. Um, because it's hard to answer. Um, to get my message across, uh, I believe not every family is perfect. 
Um, so it's hard to be surrounded by specific individuals. I'm lucky enough to have a great support team with my brother and my father as well as my mother. So it's easier said than done on my part of it. Um, but for other individuals struggling, um, you can really get through it. You just got to put your mind to it if you're ready. Um, I hope that you are in every possible task that you can manage to do. Um, but just don't give up, in my opinion, is the main message. Just don't give up because once you start to give up, that's where you fall down the ladder. And with that, today's guest has been Matthew Boyd on Having a Cuppa, who spoke about his history of overcoming alcohol, the life lessons he's learned, and how he has grown since Sober is the New Cool has begun. You can check out Sober is the New Cool. Visit their website, soberisthenewcool.org. Also check out the Instagram handle, sober, full stop is, full stop the, full stop new, full stop cool. And also buy a hoodie or buy a shirt. It's all for a good cause. Matthew, thank you so much. You've been stellar and all the best going into 2021. Thank you. But I'm only human after all. I'm only human after all. Don't put your blame on me. Don't put your blame on me. That was having a cuppa for this week. We hope you enjoyed this leg of the journey. Until the next time we meet, tell your friends and write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts.